All right, folks, welcome back to yet another episode of Fresh Juice, an indie game podcast where we review all the up-and-coming and hopefully successful indie games in the world. I am one of your hosts, Tommy Fresh, and joined, as always, is the another host who is also my cousin and my partner in crime. It is... Matty Juice, what's going on, everybody? We are going global with episode 11 here of the Fresh Juice podcast, you know, in the world. We're talking about indie games, you know, across the whole world, all right? We, we don't discriminate here, all right? Any country, any person, we're talking about it, and I'm excited. Oh, yeah. You can almost <laughs> say the biggest podcast in the world. Uh, anyway, folks, that's oh. going to be a wrap. We're going to out of here. Um, but uh, we got a great show for you all this week. We're reviewing a game called Hand in Hand, which is like a fun little co-op puzzle you know, kind of game. You know, in the same vein of a lot of co-op games that we've seen. Um, and it is going to be interesting. We'll get to that in the main squeeze. But before we get to that, we do have some other stuff to talk about. Uh, first of all, what's going on, buddy? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I know we chatted a little bit before the show, but I got some new internet, so that's great because the listeners probably don't know, but we record these episodes uh, through Discord, and sometimes, you know, I was having a little connection issues. Things would drop out a little bit, and hopefully that doesn't happen from now on. This is the first episode where I have my new fiber internet um, but I kind of alluded to it a little bit before the show that there was just some stupid stuff going on. So I have optimum for the listeners, you know, that are curious, I guess. Um, and I had the guy come here, he installed like the new modem for fiber and he's like, Oh, he's like, it's going to take a few hours for this to activate. So he left and he said that they would call me when it activated three days go by and it's still not activated. I'm literally just staring at this modem in my house and my internet for whatever reason the before fiber was just crapping out throughout those three days and so i called them like every day and like they just said that like it wasn't ready yet i i don't really know so i just as a last resort i went on their website and just went to their live chat and i was just like hey this isn't working like can you activate it it was activated in five minutes they just like yep yeah, what's the what's like the model number of the modem i sent it to them and they just, I could literally see like the lights start, sh- like, you know, um, just shining on the, on the modem over there. And all of a sudden I have fiber internet. So it was just like, literally, I probably could have done that day one. And instead I'm just sitting there twiddling my thumbs. Um, but yeah, got new internet. It's cheaper than my old internet, which is nice. And, uh, hopefully it, uh, you know, it means kind of smooth sailing from, from here on out with the recordings. Well, nice, man. Well, you know, I, yeah. I find that. That issue that you dealt with in terms of customer service is is not unique to Optimum. I feel like yes. every cable company has the same. Like I don't like. That's like what else are you guys doing? You know, like yeah, I'll come. I'll, yeah, we'll call you. That guy never. That guy went to Wawa. Got a sandwich. Went home. A hundred percent. But you know, what are you gonna do? Um, well, glad How are you doing though, Tom? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all yeah. right. You know, it's been busy. Good. Good. It's just like nonstop, dude. I mean, it, luckily this is the last week of it, right? And then next week I'll probably talk about how busy this week was. Uh, but after that, we're we're hopefully smooth sailing for a little bit. But it's just been so busy. A lot of work events, 
went went like all the way up to like basically New York State for a birthday party on Friday, and then had to wake up early to come back home. And um, damn, I played some Flesh and Blood on Saturday. That was nice. And then on Sunday, um, I I went to go see a movie, which I'll talk about in the rec room, uh, which uh, you know I enjoyed quite a bit. And 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 today record some fresh and buds and now we're recording some fresh juice and you know what i'm you know I, I've, I've been thirsty dude i'm i'm in like like quenching no i'm not been quenching i need to have my thirst <laughs> quenched by some fresh juice and i'm glad we're here so i'm glad your internet's working yeah I'm glad we're on this podcast let's talk about some news because it was a big video game not even just any game Newsweek. It was big video game newsweek because of the game awards. Oh you get, yeah. You got to watch them. I was working, unfortunately. You know, how was the, the viewing experience? Cause I saw some stuff on Twitter, but I, I didn't really understand the context. Yeah. So, uh, definitely a lot to talk about with the game awards this year. Um, I would say kind of, there's always been really two parts of the game awards. One is obviously the award part, you know, uh, where they're giving developers the awards for all these different categories. And the other part is like showing new games, like world premieres, trailers, all that sort of stuff. This year, it really seemed like it was very heavy on the trailers and the announcements and not so heavy on the awards and kind of the recognition for developers, which is really the main purpose of the show. And I, you know, I don't know uh, who would be kind of really at fault for that. Um, you know, I understand they're trying to build hype for the show, but this year, what kind of was happening, um, and and this is probably what most people are talking about online, is that when a developer would win an award, they'd go up on the stage, and maybe like a minute to two minutes into their speech, they'd start playing them out. Wow. And it was just kind of like, like I understand you kind of need to get to, you know, you need to fit everything within the, the, the time frame, and I'm sure there's like extra costs or whatever it might be if you go over. Um, but this, this event is meant to spotlight those developers. You know, that's what we're trying to do with this show as well. But obviously the Game Awards are, are such a larger, you know, they're a huge platform, probably the biggest platform these developers have to really showcase their games and, and just, just get recognized. So um, it did get a little bit better throughout the show. I think uh, Jeff Keighley, the guy who runs it, kind of mentioned uh, that he, he you know, he, whoever was in charge of kind of the music and playing people out, he did mention to them during the show that maybe we want to we give them a little bit more time. Um, but we've just had such great speeches in the past from different developers, really just like some are, some are like really emotional speeches, you know, just describing why they made this game, um, you know, really happy that it resonated with so many people. Like it's just a really great platform for these developers. And it was kind of a letdown this year um, in terms of like the awards and, and the way they kind of uh, handled that. And on the flip side, though, a lot of people are saying this is the best year they've had for trailers and announcements. <laughs> um, so, so, and and I I agree with that. I do think it was a really strong year for trailers and announcements. But I know there's been some people suggesting maybe this gets split up into two nights so that like there can be proper recognition for the developers. Um, so it it was just kind of a, a mess in the, in that area. And then especially you know not to kind of rant too much about it, but especially when it came to the indie games. They gave they, the kind of the way the game awards works is like there's the main stage where you know it's it's kind of like the Oscars, right? You go up there, 
give your speech, get the award, all that sort of stuff. And then there's kind of the side stage where they have another host that's, you know, just just kind of keeping the show going. You know, they'll announce a, a, a few different um, game awards there uh, that aren't as popular, like like best esports coach, things like that, right? Where like people, it's not really why people tune into the game awards to see who's the best esports coach, even though, you know, it, you know happy for those guys that won that or, you know, guys, girls, whatever. Um, but on that side stage, that's where they announce the best indie game and the best debut indie game. Mm. They didn't even give them the spotlight of the main stage. So best debut indie game was Cocoon. Shout out to us for covering that in our first episode. And best indie game of the year was uh, Sea of Stars. And so a ton of people I saw online were really disappointed that the Sea of Stars developers did not get a chance to talk about their game. Because on that side stage, it's just like an express award kind of segment. They're just like, best indie game, Sea of Stars. Everyone claps, and then they move on to the Uh. next segment and it was just really disappointing in that way so i think a lot of that feedback was you know i I saw people kind of higher up in in gaming journalism uh criticizing the game awards so i know a lot of that feedback got back to the game awards and and you know jeff keighley and everybody running it so hopefully for next year it'll be better i think it'll be the 10-year anniversary next year as well so they need to hit it out of the park Uh, but i personally think that having like a two-night um sort of um you know, show is probably the best way to go. I know it's probably more expensive, but like, it's just, that's a great way to celebrate games, right? It's just start out with giving developers awards. And then the next day can be all the trailers and all the hype and all that sort of stuff. And then you're left with the hype. You know, it seemed like mm-hmm. this year we weren't left with the hype. We were just kind of left with like, what the hell just happened? Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a good show, but for the wrong reasons, if that makes sense. So, well, yeah, it was I, odd. I, when I hear this, I, I wonder if this some kind of, like, repercussion or whatever, a consequence of, of large expos going away. Like, obviously, we still go, like, PAX East or whatever, but a lot of people don't. A lot of large developers don't even really put out, shell out the money to kind of expo stuff there. E3 is just gone, right? Right? As far yeah. as I'm concerned. And, you know, like, all of a sudden, less platforms to debut huge stuff. And they're like, oh, well, the Game Awards, that's when we'll do it. And every, I'm sure, you know, you gotta gotta probably empathize with, like, the people putting on the Game Awards because huge developers are like, we wanna wanna show this at your your award show. And they're like, yeah, that's awesome. And then all of a sudden, it probably snowballs, and then they got a billion different things. It's like, oh, how are we going to do this all in one night? Uh, I, two nights might be cool, but that's like so like that's like hard to do. I feel yeah. like maybe you know maybe you just like bite the bullet and do a longer night, uh, or or even you just gotta say like we gotta find a balance between the awards and and the announcements because we're here for the awards, right? And and to spotlight yeah. these these developers or, or find some kind of way, but it's, yeah, it's a shame to hear that, you know, uh, but it's, it's gotta suck, you know, to, to be in the, the backlash end of it as well. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, some people did, I, I saw a few ideas around like, you know, obviously keeping the show award centric, but maybe there's like an intermission and then, you know, cause these trailers that they're showing, they're not long trailers. So mm-hmm. maybe it's just like rapid fire trailers during like a 20 minute intermission for all these new games. And then we get back to the awards, you know, um, maybe that's what they do. Or I know like Jeff Keighley, he, um, 
because of E3 kind of going away and a lot of those bigger shows sort of not really, um, uh, you know, being as they were, he started Summer Game Fest to kind of replace that, which is like a lot of people look at that as like the new E3. Mm -hmm. So maybe, I mean, Game Awards are every December. Maybe there's a winter Game Fest, yeah. you know, and it, and it maybe it alternates every year or something like that. Um, you know, kind of like the Olympics, right? Uh, but uh, you know, I, I think there are there are options out there, and it just they kind of missed the mark this year. Um, but I am very excited for a lot of the games they showed. Specifically, one of them was from uh, the No Man's Sky developers, which I did see um, that. Yeah, yeah, Light No Fire, and I am very excited for that game. It looks awesome, uh, and hopefully, you know, maybe we'll get to play it on the show, review it on the show. Maybe. It's an indie game, you yeah. know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so definitely a lot to talk about with the game awards and I'm excited to see what they do next year. But, um, for me, I was just definitely just disappointed with the way they handled the indies this year. Uh, cause I, I was looking forward to talking all about the speeches that the indie games had on the show and all that sort of stuff. And we didn't get any of that. So, um, just kind of a bummer, but, uh, overall, you know, I would probably give the show like a, maybe like a C plus B minus kind of situation just overall. Like a get on sale. Uh, yeah, I give it, get get the show on sale. You know, just wait a few months, you'll be able to find it on YouTube, and you'll be good. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like, I'm, I mean, I'm just like still trying to spitball here, but like, the, I mean, look at the Oscars, Emmys, whatever. Like, they have commercial breaks. Just have commercial yeah. breaks with these. These you don't even have to do an intermission with all of it. You just like, all right, we'll we'll be right back with whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, we see a couple commercials like that are reveals, and then. And then you come back and yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. They actually do do that, but they oh, do that they? for like, they kind of do it for like the smaller games. And then they also sort of have, you know, there's like an NVIDIA commercial, like anything related to gaming is like mm -hmm. kind of a commercial there too. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great idea. Just treat it like commercials and, and then you'll have people tuned in for the whole show. You know what I mean? Um, they won't want to kind of tune out during the commercial, but yeah, great idea. Yeah. Well, you know, Hey, listen, I, I, I you know, all that aside, definitely congratulations to Cocoon and Sea of yep. Stars. I would love to play Sea of Stars at some point. Uh, probably won't get to it anytime soon. We, we got so many good games to play right now that need our endorsement, or at least our, our us talking about them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, but Cocoon, we we kind of we saw <laughs> that writing on the wall, right? I, I don't think we expected it to win best. But debut made a lot of sense there, and 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 see a start. I know there's a ton of hype. I mean, I saw, I was watching videos on the development of Sea of Stars since it was announced. So like people were hyped for that game, and to the fact, like it's always good to hear about a game that's been hyped for so long actually deliver, right? Yeah. Um, because I unfortunately it happens uh less than you think. <laughs> there's there's only so many good games that's why you know they, they actually have awards right but yeah uh, it's you know it's funny you bring that up too because i feel like that leads into the next news article uh mm -hmm. that we dropped in here um and i don't know if you've seen any of this yet but uh this is an article from ign talking about how uh, the day before, uh, so that's a game that came out a few days ago, the studio, uh, Fantastic, I'm going to just call them, uh, it has a, the first A is missing, but um, the day before Studio Fantastic announces closure just days after early access launch. 
So for those who haven't been following the day before, this is actually a game that was announced a few years ago. It had a lot of hype around it because of what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be like a survival MMO, kind of like the division, but more MMO-y and more survival-based. Um, it looked really interesting, uh, but there was a lot of issues throughout development, things where developers were going silent, other other uh, issues where they would release a trailer for the game after like the community demanded it because we haven't seen anything from the game. And there were all these weird little issues in the gameplay where it just seemed like, you know, maybe there was audio missing or just it seemed like they were reusing assets from other games. They just went into like the Unreal Engine store and didn't actually build their own models. They just downloaded models. Uh, and then there was a whole legal issue with the name of the day before because someone trademarked it in the U.S. or copyrighted, whatever it is, before they actually could get to it. So then there was a whole legal battle. It was removed off of Steam because of that. Um, so then anyway, fast forward to uh, you know a few days ago, uh, the game finally releases, right? They're maybe a few weeks up to release. They're releasing a little bit more gameplay. Um, you know, they're releasing some some notices on Twitter, like, hey, this is what you should expect with the game, all that sort of stuff. It's early access, so it's obviously not going to be perfect. And I watched the game, um, you know, on release day, $40 game, which is a lot for the, what this game is. And uh, I was watching some streams of it before I decided whether I wanted to buy it or not. And it did not look good. It was buggy. It was uh, uninteresting. It seemed like it had no soul. I've seen so many people say that about this game, and I can't agree more. Like, it just seemed soulless, the entire game. And then a few days, you know, or well, today on, on December 11th, 2023, the studio announced its closure because it said the day before was not um, financially successful. Uh, it's been out for four days. I don't know how it could be financially successful right out of the gate, but um, it's just a scam at this point. It's just they they tricked people into getting this game. Some people believe there's only one developer behind the game, and they you know they seem like they were more than one developer. Um, and I actually just saw before we went, we went uh, we started recording that Steam is issuing refunds to everybody who wants Whoa. it. Um, so normally it's only if, you know, if you play within two weeks of purchasing uh, or if you refund within two weeks of purchasing or if you play less than two hours, um, you'll get a refund on Steam. But they're refunding everybody. The, the store page has been taken off of Steam, so no one can buy the game now, even though it technically they didn't say the game was closing. They just said they don't know what's going to happen with the game. Um, so, yeah, it's just... Uh, just a big scam, this whole thing. And it's just so funny that you brought up, you know, that Sea of Stars had so much hype right from the yeah. beginning. And it actually paid off. And this is the complete opposite of that with the day before. And it sucks because I'm a survival game fan. I always want to see survival games succeed because especially if they're doing something unique or different. And this one just had no soul. And that, and that, I think that's that's why, why it ended up failing. Yeah, this is this is a crazy story, and now to be honest, I'd love to watch like a documentary on it, right? Because it does sound, it stinks, right? It stinks yeah. of something, and uh, you know, my initial take would be like, oh wow, well, it sounds like they dug themselves into the hole, right? They maybe had a great marketing team, like to to start with, or or something like that. They had this great marketing team, made the game look awesome, promise a lot of things. Your development team's not as good as your marketing team, and they can't 
keep up with what they promised. And they're like, okay, well, you know, maybe we can pull like a no man's sky. They, they know, (laughs) they know the game sucks. Right. But like, maybe we put this out and maybe we get enough money like in the first week or two to make up for all the money we are going to have been like sinking into this so that we can bounce back and make this game good. And unfortunately, like no man's sky had a lot of issues, but like people were still like playing it. Right. Because it was like, it was still a really cool concept and a unique concept and people wanted that one to really be it. And it ended up being it. And then this one is it's just another survival game. There's a lot of them, right? It's 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 yeah. pretty. It's it's a dime a dozen at this point. So, and it, like, then they saw like, oh no, people aren't people aren't buying this like we thought they would. We can't bounce back. We're done. Everybody, get take your money back. We're done. And like, which is it's just crazy to hear because like, yeah, if it is one person, I mean, they, I mean, they really swindled everybody. If it's if it is a team, I feel bad because they still put in years of work into it for them probably to just not get paid. I mean, maybe they got paid to begin with, but like now, like they don't even get like maybe if they had any kind of option on 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 like you know I don't typically know how developers work out their contracts or whatever, but they could be yeah. really screwed. But at least Steam is refunding everybody. Which is which is good because if that was not the case, this would be a, a much sadder story. Because not only did this development team get like just suck, everybody just lost out on like forty bucks. Like for you, forty bucks is for like that's. I mean, it's not groceries yeah. at this point, but like you know, it's a, maybe for one person it could be groceries for the week or something like that. So like, it's uh, uh crazy. It's it's just like. Yeah. It's like almost unbelievable, like that they would just shut yep. their doors, right? Yeah, which is why it really smells of of something, something, something's rotten in Denmark, as they say. But yep, it's spoiled milk. Spoiled That's what milk. it smells like. That's that what it would have been like. our first spoiled milk if we reviewed it. Oh, wait, <laughs> oh, did we, it no, wait, would have. Did we? Did I give a spoiled milk to something? No, no, I haven't yet. No, no, no it's no, a no. manager special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. speaking of reviews. Let's review this game, The Let's Main Squeeze, it. hand in hand, a co-op game by developers Max Media, published by Over Games with a Z. Uh, we have a nice little description here. It's an atmospheric platformer with puzzle elements and split screen, where the player takes control of two characters at once. If you're playing solo, uh, immerse yourself in the ethnic world of two heroes, solve puzzles, and overcome obstacles together. Explore the fairy forest and other locations. Help each other. Um, very, you know, we, we see a lot of these kind of co-op games where you and another player are working together uh, to kind of finish kind of puzzle-esque platforms, right? And this is, this is one of those. It has some interesting mechanics in there, but... Uh, you want to talk about some gameplay first and, and what what your thoughts were? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so uh, also just for reference, the game is twelve dollars mm. on Steam uh, at full price. So uh, just keep everything keep that in mind while we're kind of going through the gameplay and everything. Um, so first off, I would say that the gameplay 
um, is it's very interesting, right? So it's a it's it is a split screen platformer, but it's split screen in the way of of not traditional kind of like vertical split split screen. It's like horizontal split screen. So one character's on top of the screen, one's on the bottom, and um, when you're playing solo. The left side of the controller is controlling one of the characters. It's the joystick and like the right bumper or left bumper, um, and then it's the right joystick and the right bumper. Pretty much, I think throughout the, the entire game. Oh, and the triggers as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's really it's it's interesting because you know, like like uh, Tommy said, you know, you're controlling two characters at once, but it's left side of the controller and right side of the controller. You're not really controlling them at once, if that makes sense. Like you're not using one joystick to control both of them or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, so that was definitely really interesting. Um, you know, it teaches you about each side of the controller, right, left joystick, all that sort of stuff. Um, but for me, like, I didn't really find like the two players when I was playing solo were like very cohesive. Uh, I kind of felt like I was, you know, and and the game does allow you to focus on one player at a time. So if you want to maximize the screen of the top player, you can do that and do something in the game and then minimize it. So that's great. But I found myself going through the gameplay when I was playing solo, because I did end up playing with, uh, my wife who, uh, uh, you know, we we did like normal kind of co-op, but when I was playing solo, I didn't really find like the characters were super cohesive, and I was focusing on one character at a time, and that was really in the early game when the puzzles aren't super complicated, so it was easier for me to do that. But as I played with Maria, um, the puzzles started to get a little bit more kind of complicated in terms of timing, and I was just like, there is no way I'd be able to do that solo, or it would take me way too many tries to do it solo. So I think it's a really cool idea to control both characters, um, you know, with each side of the controller. And maybe if I was a better gamer, I would have been better at it. But I just found that this game, if in my opinion, like should be played co-op. Um, I know that like the whole kind of shtick of the game is that you can control two players at once. I just didn't feel like it worked well enough where like I felt like, you know, um, like both of the players were kind of, separate it was almost like a separate game kind of i mean it looked similar in terms of the environment but in terms of like what you have to do for for each player i just kind of felt like i might as well just do it separately because it's just going to be a pain to try to do it together i would have almost sort of preferred if like i could control both players with one joystick and maybe i had to hit separate buttons um you know to control and maybe i hit a for the top guy to jump and b for the you know, bottom person to do something else or whatever it might be. Um, I just kind of felt like it was just a little too disconnected, but it was almost there. Um, so yeah, when I played in co-op, it was just way better. Like my wife, you know, Maria, I keep saying my wife, you know, Maria, and I'll just say Maria for the listeners, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) um, we've played a lot of it takes two, which is another, you know, it's not a, it's not like a traditional platformer or anything like that. Um, but it is a game where you have to work together and you kind of, you know, have to solve puzzles together. So we really like that. So when I showed her this game, you know, I was saying this is kind of a light version of It Takes Two in a way. Um, that's a platformer and we did enjoy playing it quite a bit. I would say the biggest kind of hurdle, um, when we were playing co-op though, uh, was that there's not really a good amount of like onboarding or like explanations for like what buttons to hit or like where to go or really a lot, just a lot 
was kind of missing out of it. And it got to the point where Maria was getting a little frustrated because like we couldn't figure out what to do. Uh, and then we when then we once we figured out what to do, it, it, it kind of made sense. But it would just would have been nice to maybe get and maybe this is more on the art side of things. Once we talk about that of little indicators here and there of what to do or like you walk up to something, it would be great to know kind of what button to press, like maybe the Y button pops up in a little bubble or whatever it is. Um, and then even like, you know, you have to pick up keys and pass keys back and forth through each other. It took me forever to figure out how to pick up a key. Um, like I kept dying over and over again. And then I finally figured out you had to hit Y to pick up the key. Uh, so things like little things like that, that are easy to fix in an update, you know, you can add mm-hmm. those things, um, you know, a better onboarding experience. But yeah, for me, I would just say, you know, as someone who, who played the solo and the co-op, the co-op is a million times better million times easier. It might take a little bit away from like what the game was trying to do, but I still think um, the, the co-op is, is the best way to do it. Um, and, you know, you can play local co-op or you can play through like the Steam play together. They don't actually have like matchmaking or anything like that where you can play online. Um, but if you both are playing on Steam, which the game is only available on PC right now, um, you can use like the remote play together to, to also do co-op over, over the internet. So... That's what I recommend. But um, Tommy, how how did you enjoy the game? How did you like the gameplay? Uh, so I did not get a chance to play co-op. Uh, it's a little bit hard for me to do that on my PC, unless like we had we just didn't our schedule didn't match up. We couldn't uh, play together uh, on Steam like over over the internet. But couldn't couldn't bring my fiance in to do it. But uh, so I played solo, and so I I appreciate the effort here to make a co-op game playable solo, right? Because that's the biggest hurdle for co-op games is like, you know, you're almost like when, when you're like, I we're making a co-op game, you know, you're almost saying there is a whole slew of potential customers that aren't going to buy it now. Right. Yeah. Because they want to play by themselves. Right. And, and, and that's okay. You know, we don't judge here, but, um, and so I appreciate the effort here. And I, at, at first I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Right. You know, I'm trying to, I was doing a lot of like, all right, I'll go up with the the top one first and then I'll do it with the bottom one. And then you get to the timed puzzles and yeah. then you're like, okay, <laughs> now I got to use my brain. And like, I mean, you're already using it, but like now you really got to use it. And I was yeah. just like, Oh my God. And like, and there's nothing wrong with a little bit of a challenge too. And, and I, I, I can appreciate the challenge of that. Right. I think that uh, some people will really enjoy that challenge. Uh, I didn't because uh, I, I just didn't feel like there was enough variation uh, because like really each character has like a, like an ability, Right. Um, and as far as I got into the game, I don't know if they get extra abilities. They might. Um, but I, I didn't feel like it would vary a whole lot. So it would be kind of like repetitive puzzles in a way. I don't know if that makes sense, but I felt like, oh, I'm kind of solving the same thing over and over again, but it just is like with a different skin Mm -hmm. in, in a way. And uh, for, for that reason, I was like, ah, you know, like this gameplay is, was fun at first, but then I felt like, okay, I just got to 
figure out when to make this one invisible again and this one to like smash something or, or whatever. And, and it felt like the same puzzle just uh, getting better where if you look at another puzzle game, we played cocoon where that one felt like each set of puzzles is like, you got to figure out something new and like it's building upon itself. Right. Yeah. So I, I like that it was, uh, you know, unique and like, I'm sure the co-op would have been a much more enjoyable experience. That's okay. I can't really discount them for that, right? Because I wasn't able to play co-op. Um, but it was very basic. It was very bare bones, I felt like. Uh, it, but, you know, it is a $12 game. Like, you know, whatever. But puzzles, like, you know, I, I don't know. I think you once you have the framework there, I think you can get a little creative with the puzzles. And I didn't feel like uh, they did. Um, but... Other than that, I, I appreciate the effort, especially for a co-op game to like say, hey, no, you can play this by yourself. And it does it becomes yeah. very challenging. And like that, maybe maybe that makes up for the puzzles not having as much variation um, in terms of theme, like as far as I'm concerned, uh, that the actual challenges uh, using your, uh, your brain and your hands in ways that you don't typically ever use them. So... That's where I was at with the gameplay, but you mentioned visuals. There might be some like fixes there, you know, and and I agree with you. There's the onboarding, like you start off, it tells you initially what buttons to press. And then, and then they say, forget about it. You know, you got to figure it out from, from the rest, uh, rest of the game on. But well, what what was your take on the the visual side of of things? Because it is a, uh, I mean, a rat, like not entirely unique, art style but it is something that felt a little fresh juice yeah uh yeah fresh juice um slip that in there but no i uh i i did enjoy the art for this game um it gave me a lot of like limbo vibes um just because you kind of have that foreground in front of you where you know sometimes even you know in this game you're seeing like a spider kind of crawl by and like uh, it's all kind of blurred because it's it's you know uh, your your depth of field is like past that. Uh, so that was kind of interesting how there's sort of like the layers with this sort of platformer. Uh, like you mentioned, it's, you know, nothing like super unique and, you know, it's similar to Limbo. Um, but what I did really enjoy was the actual character design. So the way the characters look is a bit different than the way everything else looks. Uh, kind of everything else in the game almost has like a more realistic-y kind of uh, look to it. Um, almost like it's a, it's been like a photograph that's been like kind of, um, I guess put into a game. Uh, so that's kind of like the vibe I got with that. Um, and the characters, like I really enjoyed you play as, uh, the top characters is, um, kind of this big guy with a big hand, um, that he kind of has a, you know, a, um, uh, kind of a, I don't even know, like an, his attack ability is like a, it's a push or like, what, what would you even call that Tommy? Like the thing that he does, yeah, like it's, a slice it's like a kind of thing. push or whatever, yeah, you like, know, he looks yeah. like Hellboy kind of in a way, I guess yeah. is the best. He's got that kind of fist thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the, the, uh, the one on the bottom is, uh, uh, kind of this like girl looking creature that um you know is is uh kind of a little bit more mysterious and smaller and she can go invisible um so in terms of, like the art i did enjoy the character design i really enjoyed the bigger guy i thought he looked pretty cool he's kind of got like you know uh he doesn't really have a face he kind of just has like two eyes and a little boxy head and 
Uh, he's got like these big scarves on. It just kind of seemed like a cool character and and something that like I think it would be really cool in like Super Smash Brothers. I was thinking about like it, he could be a neat character if he had like a cooler move set. Um, but anyway, yeah. So the character design I thought was pretty cool, and I also kind of got like Rayman Legends vibes a bit from this game. Um, just to kind of in the way that they treated the background and the foreground and the characters, it just kind of it, it kind of fit almost in that universe. Um, so if if that's like that's probably the best picture for the listeners that I would say is like just think of Rayman Legends. It's kind of similar to that game. Um, and then in terms of uh, the enemies, were really interesting. Um, the Phantom is kind of this enemy that you're uh, you're you're coming across, and he. He's in the background, which is really interesting. So he's he hurts you while he's in the background. He's kind of this like big shadowy figure with like these little eyes and antlers. Um, and he, it, I thought it was really interesting because at first I didn't realize he would hurt me in the background of the game, but that's kind of the way that works. So I think that was a really interesting like artistic choice to like not have the you know the enemy or at least that enemy kind of front and center. Uh, I think I made it through like two different boss battles. So like there were different kinds of enemies in a way, but they were also kind of similar. I think the first boss battle was like a giant slug guy. So he kind of looked similar to like the phantom in a way. Uh, So yeah, overall, I I mean, I was pretty pleased with the art. Um, You know, I thought it was simple. Uh, It wasn't anything like revolutionary by any means, but I, I don't think it took away from the game at all. I don't think any of the art was bad. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I just uh, overall, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I thought it was, you know, did its job. But uh, what do you think of Tom? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, you bring up some interesting stuff here. Uh, I so the two, the biggest things that like I felt really stood out to me in terms of like, oh, like oh wow, this is really really cool. Like uh, movement in the in the the background. Uh, I thought that was really cool, like a dynamic background. I mean, yeah, it did kind of have like a, like a, I don't know, like I'm thinking Cinderella, right? Like where, you know, they, yeah. you know, the old, old way they did Disney movies where yeah, it would be multiple kind of layers of background that like are mostly painted, but there is one layer of background that is dynamic and has animation, uh, these little, you know, gremlin bush creatures kind of doing stuff and like kind of getting scared when you walk past them. And I also, one thing that was like, Oh wow, that's really cool. You get like a foreground too. Yeah. That is also dynamic where, where, where characters are in those little bush creatures are are moving around and then, and so on and so forth. And I thought that was really, cause it's like, it's like a silhouette, right? Like, so it gives this game a nice depth. I thought visually and also gives, you know, your, your eyes something like interesting to look at beyond just your character now I do agree on the character design I like the way they look however I did not like the way they moved I felt like it looked I don't know like it it just didn't look good to me for whatever reason I I felt like they it was like a clunky way that they moved through the levels and like it kind of just felt like they were just moving but like like, I don't know. It just didn't feel like they were actually walking. It felt like they were animated mm. that they were walking, but just moving not like they were walking, if that makes sense. you yeah. if, if you if you look at some gameplay, you'll know what I'm talking about. And that kind of bugged me. I didn't really love that because 
I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of stuck with this character for the, both these characters for the whole game. So that was one thing that I actually didn't like, but I, I do have to give kudos to like the, the kind of depth that they were able to create with the, their foregrounds and backgrounds. And I thought that was cool. And also the whole, you know, creature that you got to fight that is trying to hurt you being in the background was also really cool. I, I like that. I've seen that in other games as well. It's not a completely unique uh, concept, but really, really neat. I love, I love seeing that as well. And I, yeah. I do like the character design of the enemies as well too. So it's just the movements. I didn't like the movements of, of the, uh, of the actual playable and fightable characters for the most part. So uh, yeah. that's where I was at on the visuals. Other than that, I think it was, it was fine, but let's talk about the story. We do have a blurb about what the story is because we don't get a whole lot of what the story is uh, in terms of uh, any kind of narrative. It's it's all visual storytelling. Um, I can read it for you all right now. Um, it's well, first of all, it's a touching story, folks. Yes. Two soulmates live in a fairy tale world, but when evil came to their world, they lost each other. Very sad. Now both of them need to head towards each other, facing many difficulties and dangers along the way, and only by finding a fragile connection between one another and going hand in hand, game title, uh, will they be able to defeat the evil and meet again. It's a story about how we can help one another even when you're apart and be far from one another even when you're nearby. It's a story about the importance of relationships and mutual support, but every story has a deeper or an even deeper meaning. So very cute and yeah. gives gives a whole reason for why the game is the way it is right uh this is this is a, a term i love to use especially when i'm talking about trading card games but this is uh i would say top down design right we're like oh we want this story i'm assuming this is where they start we want this story we want to do a co-op story about two lovers that get separated how do we get them together i'm like or how do we make that work in a game okay we do a split screen they're both kind of doing the same thing, but trying to meet each other in the middle. I do like that. Um, it's not a lot of storytelling outside of visuals, though. You know, I mean, we we got we have this this blurb here um, separate. So I, I think it's fine, though. Right. You don't need a whole lot uh, with, with something yeah. like this. And I, I kind of appreciate this kind of story. It's, it's totally, you know, um, serviceable. And I kind of, you know, it, it's a nice message for. I think for co-op games, because, you know, clearly in that messaging right there that we just read it is targeting, you know, maybe, um, long distance relationships, right? We're very fortunate yep. to live with our significant others, but I've had long distance relationships. They can be tough. So like, you know, I understand, uh, where they're coming from. And I actually, I, I appreciate this a little bit of a, um, storytelling touch. How about you? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's actually kind of funny because uh, I wrote for the story part. I was like, this is just, I'm unclear on what we're doing or why we're even doing it. Mm -hmm. um, like, at least in the beginning of the game. But then reading that, you know, little blurb about the story, like, it does make sense. And it, it's kind of like what you mentioned, where it's like kind of the top down approach, where I don't feel like they built this game and then they were like, oh, God, we have to say something about the story. Let's just make this up. And, and and put that in. It seems like from what they're writing here, like this is, um, it fits perfectly with like the way the gameplay works. And especially when they talk about like how you can feel far from someone, even when you're close, that's kind of what this game is because you are, 
you're, you know, both characters are in the same world. They're just kind of above, you know, one is above the other, it seems like. Um, so they are close, but they are apart at the same time. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. I actually, you know, uh, even though it's, you know, it's a $12 puzzle platformer game, I would have liked a little bit, maybe a little dialogue to just kind of guide you through that. Or maybe just like after you complete a level, there's a, an NPC character there that just kind of has a little, you know, you can just talk to him and he just kind of give you a little context, like, you know, um, uh, keep working. Like you're almost there. Like he, you know, he's, you know, or whatever it is, like just a little bit of more narrative in the game, I think could have been cool because just the way that the characters look and the environment and everything, it just, you know, that there's a story there somewhere. I just wasn't a hundred percent sure what it was other than like the opening cinematic where they're both in a tree house. There's like a big bad storm. It seems like, and then all of a sudden you're both on the ground separately and I was like, well, what just happened? Like, I'm not even sure really just what happened, you know. Um, but, yeah, no, I think that what they at least put in that blurb is perfect uh, for the game. I just probably would have liked to see a little bit of it in the game itself. And who knows? Like, I do think there is an opportunity for, like, a hand-in-hand, too, if this does well. And maybe they take, you know, some of that feedback and they make a bigger, badder game. Um, because I, I feel like this is a, uh, uh, you know, a game that that is – it almost feels a little bare bones, but it doesn't need to have a lot to it right now. Uh, but who knows? Maybe like a sequel, they'll kind of invest more into that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, the story, I, I mean, I was really unclear about it until we read that blurb right there. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, it all lines up. Uh, but yeah, that's just this is kind of how I'm feeling with the story for this one. Yeah, they could have found a way to portray that blurb a little bit better in the beginning. Right. Because I'm with you. I didn't under, I mean, like I kind of knew like, Oh, they know each other and they're trying to get back to each other. I understood that. But like, I think if they found a way to kind of portray that idea that they have, which I think is a good idea, um, a little bit better. Like it's a really quick cutscene. There's not a whole lot to it. You could have had it just be like, I don't know, like 30 seconds longer. You probably could have got that like kind of in there. You know, so yeah, even like a like like a quick flashback montage of of like in the beginning of them just kind of meeting, becoming soulmates, and whatever. Now we live in a tree, and boom, we're on the other sides of the tree, and we gotta find each other. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So, uh, that that is the story. Moving on to the sound and and music, I think that. Uh, Nothing. I mean, this this is another one where I'm not like blown away, right? I think it sounded good, sounded fine. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate the the sound of uh, the abilities, especially uh, the, the girl character um, mm-hmm. when she goes visible. I, I I do like that. Um, <laughs> I I will say I didn't realize the at the first timed puzzle. To me, this is like a small critique. When you when you activate the first time puzzle, you both have to stand on something at the same time. And I just thought, because it didn't sound like a countdown to me, it yeah. sounded like boss music. And I was like, uh. I was like, what's going on? Like, you know, am I about to fight something? And I'm like, okay, I'll move over. And they're like, like it's not really stopping. I'm not really hitting any action. And then it stopped and I saw something close. I was like god damn it now i gotta go do this again (laughs) it wasn't very obvious and i think like if you kind of made it sound i mean you know once i got that it was 
a timed thing. Yeah. I was like, okay, I guess it does sound like a timed clocky kind of thing, but it could have been, it could have been just a clock sound. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't think yeah. you had to get too crazy with it. So that's like one critique. Other than that, I, I don't think it was like, you know, any, nothing to write home about, but certainly nothing that w- was um, bad at all. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Um, you know, I, I actually think kind of the best part about the sound for me was whenever there's kind of like something bad happening or like an enemy, it kind of has like this like ee, 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 like this like like creepy, like almost like Jason music in a way. And I was like, I was a little terrified because like, I'm like, I don't know what's about to happen. But then like there wasn't really like big payoffs with like, oh, my God, there's this giant enemy like I need to you know, I need to run away or I need to try to defeat him. But I think they did a good job kind of making you a little nervous with those sounds. Uh, I did, I did enjoy that. Um, and then, yeah, just, uh, you know, there's ambient noises with like animals and wind blowing. And, you know, there's kind of just like the mysterious vibe with the soundtrack. Um, you know, I thought all that was fine. Uh, I probably would have liked a little bit more sound when it came to like using abilities. Like I didn't really find that it was like, you know, it, it could have sounded way more fun, I guess, in a way. I, I'm not really sure how to, like, describe that, but um, I, I do think that it, it, the abilities could sound a little bit better. But I think overall, you know, like, the sound was definitely not an issue, and that's something we talk about every week. It was just, like, if the sound isn't taking away from the game, like, that's a win, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because sound is just so important and, and music and everything. So, um, yeah, no, for me, like, the sound was, was, was fine, and um, I didn't really have any issues with it. Yeah, yeah, just that one critique for me, but you know, yeah, it's just it's uh it's nitpicky, but you know, it's it's worth mentioning. But yeah, finally, we do have performance. We both played on Steam. Uh, I didn't run into any issues. I thought it was fine. I don't think it's a really taxing game, so I would be concerned if it wasn't fine. Uh, I don't know if you ran into any bugs though. Yeah, no, uh, everything ran pretty well for me. We, I played on, on when I was playing solo. I played on my PC, and then when I played co-op, uh, we ran it through the Steam Link, so that was running really well. Um, so yeah, didn't ha- really have any issues uh, with performance. It, it it ran great, so definitely a plus there. Cool, cool, cool. Now yeah. we get to the rating. The ratings are as followed: all grocery store themed, certified fresh juice is the best, a steal. Get on sale, manager special, and spoiled milk, which is you know something nobody wants to have. Uh, yeah, what you go first? Uh, I'm going for. I'll go first. You I'll go, go first. first. I'm gonna give this one at twelve bucks, right? And I don't. I don't want to like always rate these games based on their price, but like at twelve bucks, I will say this is a low get on sale. It's for me. Uh, I I th- I thought that. It's a valiant effort, especially, you know, for the solo aspect. I didn't get to play co-op. Um, and I think the fact that I didn't get to play co-op and I understand that co-op would be better uh, is what's keeping it from a manager special for me. Um, I, but I, I, think it's, I think it's cute. I do like, this, like the idea here. Execution wasn't all there. I think it, it's very close, right? I think it could have been... Like really, I could I could have been up to a steal. I think, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if they had just you know what we had talked about, like make the story a little bit clear in the beginning. Uh, for me, change uh, fix the character movement. Um, you know, 
and then maybe the gameplay just bring it like make it a little bit more maybe varied i think is what i was looking for uh and and maybe not as crazy um but it, it could have been there but for me it's a very low get on sale yeah um you know i i, I agree uh, i gave this an on sale um you know i i Personally, I wouldn't put it like a very low on sale. I was actually kind of going between like a steal and on sale um, until I kind of played more of the game. And then I'm, I'm like, okay, this is more of like an on sale. Um, and, you know, it is a $12 game, but I do think it would be nice to have a little bit more variation in the puzzles. I think that's like the biggest thing is like I probably would have gave this a steal if the puzzles were really intriguing and interesting and um, you know, I really had to think like long and hard about how to like fix them, but they were just kind of were like, yeah, there was a lot of similarities with, with the way the puzzles worked. And I actually think that this game would be awesome on the switch, obviously, or <laughs> even like a mobile game. Like imagine you play one character, your friend plays another, it's a $5 mobile game maybe, or something like that. And, and you're working together to try to, you know, complete the game. I think that could work really well. I just I do think that the platform for this game uh, I know it's easier to release on Steam but I just feel like for a game like this consoles is your best friend you know like you, like you know um like I don't even know how this game or if this game would even work with mouse and keyboard I didn't even try it to be honest but I just feel like a lot of these kind of co-op games um work really well on console um, and especially, I think the Switch is just a great place for it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if the developers are listening to this, but think about the Joy-Cons and how people could just use those to play together. And it would kind of fit with the whole theme of the game of hand-in-hand, hand, right? Um, it kind of just fits perfectly. Uh, so I think that uh, that that would help take this game kind of to the next level if they are able to put it on Switch and they're able to maybe get more complex puzzles. I don't even know if that's something they could update, but just something like that I think could really help. Um, and, and who knows, maybe there's a hand-in-hand hand two coming or, or, or foot in foot maybe, you know? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. It's a DDR <laughs> said, game. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, so, yeah, I'm giving this an on sale. Uh, I did enjoy my time playing it. I just feel like there's uh, this game has, like, potential to be more, and it just didn't reach that for me. Um, so... Yeah, just giving it a kind of a middle of the road on sale. You know, if it's a $12 game, I wouldn't be mad if someone spent 12 bucks to play it. I, obviously, I wouldn't be mad at all, but like I wouldn't question if someone spent 12 bucks to play it. Uh, but I also would think, you know, uh, that this could easily be like a mobile game or a game on the Switch for maybe a little bit less. But uh, yeah, giving it an on sale from, from my point of view. Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, you know... Uh, I do like the messaging and uh, you know, it's yeah. a valiant effort. So, and thank you to the developers for giving us keys. We really appreciate it. And yes, uh, keep on keeping on. I think you really do have, you know, you're certainly creative. I think it's just execution. Um, we have one listener question. Um, we do. And then I also have a con like not a com. I guess it's a comment that I got in my other, in my fresh and buds discord from a bud who listens um, but Kmore here says or asks, when does the company stop being indie? For instance, I consider indie to be independently developed and published. Obviously, some companies publish indie games, so that's a case by case scenario. But by that definition, Epic is an indie game. So to add to my question, 
Is it dev size or perhaps budget or is it even experience without a company like Sony looming over them? Can they be indie? Yes. Uh, great question here. Um, and uh, I, I think it's, you know, it's something we've, we've touched on in the past, um, especially around all the Dave the Diver controversy. And I think from my point of view, the really the biggest factor with what's going to make something indie or not is the money behind the game. I feel like if you are an indie developer and maybe you get a, you know, um, a parent company comes in or whatever, however that works, uh, and you're, uh, you all of a sudden have more resources, um, you know, maybe more time and uh, just, you know, more people to hire, whatever it is, I, I feel like that almost takes you out of the indie conversation because what I love about indie games, and I think this is what makes great indie games, is the restrictions that they have because that forces you to be really creative and that's how we get such amazing games. And then, you know, if an indie game kind of takes a life of, of its own or an indie studio like Devolver we've talked about where they, you know, they obviously have an amazing collection of games, do we still consider them indie? Because they're clearly making a good amount of money. Are they still technically indie games? I think that's where, you know, I, I think in the beginning it's, it's really about the money behind your studio. And then maybe as you grow, then you can kind of start to get a little bit more granular and, and talk about, you know, uh, what's the size of your team or, you know, uh, what's the experience of your team or whatever it might be. I think that's when you can start talking about those conversations. But for me, at least right out of the, the gate, I would say it's it has to do with the financial side, and then a company probably stops being indie when you know their company, you know their their uh, parent company is Nexon and they're eighteen billion dollars. You know, so I think it kind of comes back to money at some point. But I do think the other factors do matter, um, like like team size and experience. But I think for me, it's mainly going to be like budget. Um, you know, and and um, not to like harp on this for too long, but you know when we go to PAX East, like. You know, there have been developers that, you know, they're like, this is, I, I spent all my money to this, get a booth here. This is my right? life. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is my entire life, you know. So, like, when we hear that sort of stuff, that's, like, that is the heart and the core of indie, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's great when developers get a financial backing. Like, absolutely, we want that for them, and we want them to be successful with their games, um, going forward, but I do think there is a line that they can eventually cross where they're not really considered indie anymore. Um, but yeah, Tom, I'm, I'm curious to, to see what you think about this. Well, this is a great question from Kmore, and I think like if I were to give like a quick answer, it would be like, all right, it's the absence of AAA money, right, or or backing, right. I think like once once they kind of get into the mix, I, I'm iffy on it. Or you know, I, I don't mind them a triple A game like maybe help promoting or something like that. I think we talked about that last week or the week before. Yeah. But um but so it's interesting. It would be nice to kind of get a definition. Like this has come up a couple times, right? It would be nice to get yeah. a definition from the industry. So I work in the craft beer industry, right? I work for a a a craft brewery. It is independently crafted. It is a family-owned business. However, they make a ton of beer and and are in the top 25 craft breweries in the country. And those other craft breweries, some of them are just owned by Budweiser or whatever. Um, so uh, there is a distinction on uh, what constitutes a microbrewery as opposed to a macrobrewery, right? 
So mm-hmm. Yingling is a microbrewery, technically. A, oh, you know, interesting. And 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 they're I mean they're independent as well. I mean that's still family owned, but they I would you wouldn't call them craft beer. You wouldn't call them like a like an indie craft brewery. Um, yeah. So there is micro breweries, and then there's like there's craft breweries. I I feel like and and if we can kind of get a definition because there is a definition as to what you know what would make Yingling beyond a microbrewery, and funny enough, Sam Adams or Boston Beer Company is <laughs> is the company that is deciding how much. You like you, how much you make to make you still a craft brewery, and every every year they make like more money and more beer. They increase the amount to make sure that they're still a craft brewery. <laughs> so it's a you know it's a little you know shaky, but to kind of see some definitions though in the in video game industry would be nice to kind of like at least have some kind of like something to point to. Like, well, okay, this is a micro game, micro, <laughs> micro developed game. Yeah. Maybe not an indie game, right? Like if we had two different definitions and maybe we could start a movement, but great question came more. I yeah. appreciate it. Um, I did have a comment from the buds discord from a, a bud who listens to both podcasts, which I always love to hear. Um, Chris, AKA Crixus, uh, uh, <laughs> kind of just out of nowhere, like popped into the buds discord. He was like, this is not for Fresh and Buds, but every time you guys mention goons, I want to play that game so bad. I'm like, yes, yes. He's like, <laughs> he's like any arcade style uh, hockey game, I'm all in. I'm like, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I just, I just, I mean, couldn't agree more, Chris. So <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do like when it comes out, maybe we'll do like a fresh juice like game night. You know, game we'll just night, get maybe people coming in. Yeah, like that. that'd yeah. be awesome. You know, maybe that'd have a little sweet. prize. You know, yeah. we'll see. let's. Let's reach cool. out to Rage Cure and see if, like, yeah, you know, they'd be interested in getting in on that, getting in on some action. Be, so hell yeah! But uh, we had a great episode this this week, I think, Matt. We did, yeah. Another, you know, we're, we keep playing these very interesting games, which is just like obviously that's what we wanted to do with the show, but mm-hmm. um, it's just it's just so surreal that we're doing it, and just I feel like I'm growing as a gamer too. You yeah. know, playing all these different games. And just being able to, you know, when the next game comes out or whatever it is, I can relate it maybe to one of these games that we've played. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, it's just a, another killer app in, I the, agree. in the books. I yeah. mean, hell, man. I, I don't think before this podcast I would have ever played – I wouldn't have ever played this game. I would have never played something like The Invincible, which w- which we enjoyed. Uh, yeah. I don't think I, w- I would have ever played just because I just wouldn't have, like, just thought to ever pick it up and then – here we are, and hopefully we're, we're converting some people on a lot of these games. Now, before we go, we have the rec room where we recommend something that maybe isn't an indie game. And I see that you have something that definitely, I guess, probably is not an indie game. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, certainly fun all, all you know, nonetheless, right? Yeah, no. Um, yeah, this is actually, and Kmore kind of brought this up, like, you know, is Epic still an indie studio, right? Um, like, I think at this point they're not. Um, but what I have for the rec room is uh, something that I never thought I'd be playing, but it's Fortnite Lego Survival. So Fortnite is doing something really interesting that I've never seen with any other game, where essentially Fortnite is no longer, their identity is no longer just a battle royale game. 
they have multiple games, full games, not like limited time modes or anything within Fortnite now. One of them being a partnership they have with Lego, where it's literally you play as a Lego character in, in the Fortnite world, and it's this big survival game. And I've been having a great time with it. Like, building and stuff with the Legos is, is really cool. Um, you know, it's not exactly where I would want it to be, but it still is really cool to just play with Legos. Um, and then they also have some other games that they've released that I haven't had a chance to play yet, but they have Rocket Racing, which is their partnership with Rocket League. It's a racing game similar. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't really look like Mario Kart, but it's just kind of just picture Rocket League racing. Um, that's exactly what it is. And then they, I think their most recent one is Fortnite Festival, which is literally Guitar Hero in Fortnite. Um, and apparently they're going to be releasing support to just plug in your Guitar Hero uh, guitars or Rock Band guitars and just play in Fortnite. And really the icing, you know, or the cherry on top with all this is it's all free. That's it's crazy. just, it's insane. Like, I just can't believe, like, I, I'm playing Lego Survival Fortnite and, like, I, you know, I was streaming it the other day and, you know, I was critiquing a few things just because, like, I, I typically do that with survival games. And then I just thinking to myself, well, it's all free. So like, why do I care that much? You know, like I'm just, I just want to have a good time and I have been having a good time with it. So that's my rec room for anyone who likes survival games or really just for anyone to just check out Fortnite right now. Like they are doing some crazy stuff and I'm not like a Fortnite, a huge Fortnite fan or anything. I haven't played it in years. I think, I think it's probably been like two or three years since I've even downloaded the game. And it has been uh, a ton of fun, and I'm definitely going to check out some of their other modes as well. Uh, so, yeah, that's my, my rec room really at the end of the day is Fortnite. Just download it. Check it out. They're doing some really awesome stuff there, great with innovation. They always do something that you don't expect. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's been wildly fun. Yeah, so that's my rec room. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> crazy. I mean, that game, like where it started yeah. and where it is now, it's like – it's 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 it feel like it exceeds video games in a way because it's popular culture, like yeah. people are just like talking about Fortnite, like and making Fortnite references just in in day to day life, which is wild. So yeah. NFL players doing Fortnite dances when they score <laughs> touchdowns, it's yeah. like what is going on you know, in this world right now? I mean, Tyreek Hill says his number one op is Peely, the yeah, the, the, the banana. banana. Which yeah. is insane, dude. Um, but um, <laughs> nice, nice rec, dude. But uh, my my rec room uh, is uh, so yesterday. Uh, my fiance was going to uh, try on some wedding dresses, and obviously, I can't go to that. So I was like, "All right, what am I gonna do with my day? I could just sit at home and do whatever, maybe play hand in hand." But I was gonna play that later anyway. So I was like, uh, "I'll go see a movie." And I was like, oh, what's a movie that she wasn't going to want to see? And I was like, oh, yeah, Godzilla Minus One. Oh, and, man. Dude. Tell me. Tell me all about dude, it. Dude, I went I went by myself. I got my popcorn. I got my drink. And I sat in that theater, and I had a blast. It was such a good movie, dude. Like, Godzilla Minus One. Listen, I mean, this is not even hyperbole, what I'm, I'm saying. This is the best Godzilla movie, in my opinion, right? And it's, 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 it's all Japanese. So authentic, uh, Godzilla <laughs> right here, but it's also, it's the human story. Actually, I found myself being, you know, really drawn to, it was, it was like compelling and, and just like interesting, like different sides of world war two. We never, 
I've never seen on like film or even really talked about. Right. It's about like, it's, this is not giving anything away, but like, it's about a kamikaze like pilot who chickens out and like, and then like the war ends and he kind of like, then Godzilla stuff happens. Like right when he chickens out, he, he runs into Godzilla as like a baby or whatever. And then, (laughs) you know, things get a little crazy. Obviously the U S starts nuking, uh, testing out nukes and stuff like that. And like, you know, that, that's like the origin story of Godzilla. That's how Godzilla gets to the size he is. So that's just like the setup. And you kind of have like experience this guy's like, like kind of PTSD of being a kamikaze pilot and then the japanese culture being like well how did how did you not die to the for the country or whatever and yeah. you know it, it was like i was like wow i was like i was like almost like tearing up at one point i'm like what the hell is going on <laughs> i was just going to see a monster and also godzilla as a monster in the movie excellent give give him the oscar he killed it he was great like there was actually one more thing on godzilla minus one Tell me. That's about Godzilla, the monster. And you might have seen clips of it, like TikToks or whatever of it, but like there is a scene where he first does his like heat ray, death ray kind of thing. And for whatever reason, man, it was like the craziest. It made me so afraid of Godzilla. I've never been like afraid <laughs> of Godzilla. I've always been like, oh, it's a big monster, whatever. It's kind of cool. But like I was like, oh my God, is, that's insane. It's devastating. So Godzilla minus one watch. Yeah. It's, you know, I have seen so many people recently on TikTok saying how amazing this movie is. And I just feel like it came out of nowhere. I didn't even know that there was going to be another Godzilla movie. And I, I have one question for you though. Mm -hmm. Why is it called? And maybe this is something that you can't explain, you know, for spoiler reasons, but why is it called Godzilla minus one? Is it because the guy didn't, kill himself and it's like minus one you know he didn't kamikaze uh, or whatever or I'm like i'm not entirely sure i think it's more of a reference to like a year zero kind of thing it's oh, like an okay. origin story that's what i would assume based on like the story i don't think there's anything in there that really explains that that i can remember but it's like kind of like this is this is like this is not godzilla one this is the origin story Right. Yeah, which is actually a really cool way to say something's an origin story rather than saying yeah. like Wolverine origins or something like that, you know? But, yeah, right. Um, super cool, Minus. but yeah. Actually, um, before we wrap up, too, there was a movie I recently watched as well. Ooh. Just to add a little bit to the rec room, it's not really something that like it, it's not on the level of Godzilla minus one from what I'm hearing. It's called There's Something in the Barn. And it's just a really weird kind of movie. It's not the best movie, but it basically it's a holiday movie um, mm. where uh, this family um, and it's a uh, Martin Starr is the main main guy in it. Uh, he's Guilfoyle in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, he's you know he's in a good number of things, and uh, he basically moves his family to Norway um, because he inherited this house that uh, from his uncle. And uh, it turns out there's a barn uh, on on the property, and there is a barn elf that lives in the barn. And if you mess with the barn or change anything, he will try to kill you. And but if you're good with him, he'll he'll shovel your snow, he'll chop your firewood for you when you don't. Yeah, it's like it's the weirdest thing. 
Uh, and then there's like a, obviously a lot of elves that, that come out and, and like the, the people in Norway know about it. So they're kind of afraid to go there. Um, but then, yeah, it's just it's a very weird movie. Like I didn't know where it was going to go. But I found myself at the end of the movie going like, well, that was a fun movie. Like that was weird, you know. So I recommend <laughs> there's something in the barn. It might be on Netflix. I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, there's something in the barn. If you if you're in the ho- if you want a new holiday movie just to like. You know, you don't want to watch Elf again, or you don't want to watch whatever. You know, Home Alone again. Watch there's something in the barn. It'll be it'll be something. It sounds like right up my alley. To be honest. It sounds insane to me. Yeah. That's like the craziest thing ever. Yeah. And honestly, was- I mean, it, you describing it like if if I didn't know you were telling the truth, and like our cousin Dan, Danny Dimes, was like telling us this story about a movie, we would not believe that it was a real movie. We're like, oh, this is something like Dan had a dream about, right? Because it sounds like a Dan movie, like that he would want to make. So shout out to our cousin Dan, but yeah, um, (laughs) that's insane. It's it's great. It's it's a fun watch. It's a good one. All right. Well, on that note, uh, stay fresh and stay juicy, juice heads. 